Trinity Central. We exist to make God central to our lives and our world. You are listening to a recording of one of our Sunday messages. For more information, please go to trinitycentral.org. All right, thanks everybody. It's a real uh, parka and hat day, isn't it? I was freezing. So if you want to get up and do some jumping jacks or something at some point, that's, that's totally cool. I understand where that's coming from. All right. Well, um, as Reese said, we are doing a preach on healing wounds. Um, this is the second of two parts. If you didn't catch Ben preaching last week, you really should. It was such an outstanding message, I thought. Um, and yeah, I just encourage you to check that out on YouTube or on Church Center. Okay. Well, we're going to just kind of dive right in. Um, and I just wanted to, it's kind of a distinction we've sort of drawn throughout the sermon series, this distinction between justification and sanctification, two kind of theological words, but I'll, uh, I'll explain where I'm coming from and why I think that's important here. So we're going to look at Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 2. And it says this, um, it says that, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. So if you kind of ask somebody, you know, if you were a car, it's kind of a dumb question, but it comes up. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be? Uh, some people might suggest that they're like a Ferrari. Like if, and I hope it's coming up behind me. Is it? Yeah. Like that, just beautiful, sleek model, you know, top of your game, just fantastic. You might get a few people who say, I'm a Ferrari or similar. And then you might get some people, maybe like me, who would say, well, actually, I'm probably more of a Volvo. You know, I'm kind of reliable. Um, there's a few things wrong. You know, I, probably, I need some maintenance. Um, but yeah, that's what I am. I'm a Volvo. Good, reliable transportation. But if you look at the Bible and what it says about us, apart from Christ, it says that we are this. We are a rusted hulk out by a barn somewhere that doesn't even run. <laughs> What the Bible says is that we are dead. We are dead in our sins. Dead. That's a picture of humanity without Christ. And then Paul goes on in Ephesians 2. He says, Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions. So that's key. God loves us even when we're dead, even when we're that rusted out car. Yeah. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. And this is just the, the basic distinction I want to draw. We're talking about healing wounds today. We're talking about God coming into our lives and the, the, the deep places of hurt that we might have bringing healing into them. But I want to suggest this picture. I want to suggest that without Christ, we are like that wreck out in a field. Okay. 
And if we haven't repented, if we haven't kind of admitted to God, God, I really am that wreck out in the field. I want to pretend I'm the Volvo or the Ferrari, but actually I'm that wreck without you. I need you. I am dead in my sins. If we haven't done that, if we haven't confessed that we are dead in our sins, then this healing that I'm talking about today doesn't come to pass. When we confess that we are dead in our sins, we say to God, help me. He takes, it's like he takes his truck and he puts the wreck onto the back of the truck and he takes us to his shop. That's my little picture of justification. Okay? Now we're in the shop. We are in the shop of God, as it were. And we are, we are saved. We have been saved. Hallelujah. Because he has picked, it us, picked us up and taken us to a different place. We're no longer out there in the weather getting rained on and birds making nests in our radiator and stuff. We're in his shop. And he's going to work on us. And he's going to clean us up. And that cleaning us up, that restoration process, that's a picture of sanctification. And it can be a long process. Uh, It just kind of depends. But it's a process that we're all going through right now. So I, I just didn't want us to be confused. I don't want us to put the cart before the horse. If you haven't confessed your sin to God, if you haven't said to God, yes, God, I am that wreck and I need you, then that's what you need to do. That's your step right now. And then the healing comes with that, maybe almost immediately with that. But that's what we must do first. First, we must put our trust in Jesus, give our whole life over to him. Okay, but God, I want to say, loves to restore us. This is Psalm 147. It says, how good it is to sing praises to our God, how pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And that is what we are talking about today. So last week we talked a bit about, well, why does God restore us? That's what Benjamin preached on. And the answer very simply is because he loves us with a deep love as his children who are made in his image. And this week we're going to talk a bit about how. How do we get healed of our deep emotional and spiritual wounds? So let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us now. I pray that you would speak to each one of us, Lord. Each one of us has these wounds, Lord. Each one of us has darkness in our lives. Each one of us has things we'd rather not think about. Each one of us has ways of being that we don't even think about anymore, but aren't righteous, Lord God. And a lot of that has to do with wounds that we have in our life. And Lord, we pray for your healing. We pray that you would come and bind us up. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 11 and just a few verses, and that'll be our, our text this morning. Starting at verse 25. At that time, I feel like this is really kind of close. All right. Hopefully it doesn't just, okay. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So very simply, the, the answer of how is right there. It's we get healed by coming to Jesus. Come to me, all who are weary. And the interesting thing is that Jesus invites all, all who are, all who are weary, but only the little children come. Only the little children come. And the question then is, who are the little children? And the answer is, it's not the innocent so much, although that is a quality of little children, this, this innocence. Um, maybe it's only a seeming innocence. Uh, but it's not innocence that we're looking for here. It's just this quality of neediness, this quality of dependency. That is what it means to be a little child. And those are the ones who come to Jesus. Jesus said to the Pharisees, to people who were wise and learned in his time, people who really knew their Bible, who had a lot of power, a lot of social power, a lot of cultural power, he said to them, you know what? The tax collectors and the prostitutes, the scum of the earth, are coming into the kingdom of God before you, and you're not getting in. And the, and the reason was that they didn't come to him. They didn't recognize him. They didn't know who he was. They didn't understand their own need. They weren't little children. And so the first question is, do you have a problem? Do you have a problem? You know, the, the 12 Steps program, pretty famous, AA, the, the step number one is we admitted we were powerless over our addiction that our lives had become unmanageable. And is that true for you? Is there some area of your life that is unmanageable? Is there part of you that you don't have power over? It's true for me. Education won't solve it. Therapy won't solve it. Doing the work won't solve it. We're helpless. And is that you? Do you have a problem that you can't solve? Would you say that you are broken? Would you say that you are wounded in some way? Would you? Would you say that you're broken or wounded in some way? Well, hallelujah. Because that's where the good things can begin to happen. Because if we don't admit that we are broken or wounded in some way, we're not going to come to Jesus with it. If we're still living in this place of, I'm fine, I may not be a Ferrari, but at least I'm a Volvo, then, you know, maybe not much is going to happen. When Joel wants warm milk, my little boy is four years old, and he often wants warm milk. When he wants warm milk, he doesn't try and figure out how to get into the fridge and get the milk out and work the microwave. He's just like, mom, please get me some milk, or dad, please get me some milk. There's this very basic notion of dependency that little children have. And that's what we need to come to Jesus with, that dependency. That's all we can give to him. But if we give him that, if we give him our trust, then he will come in and heal our brokenness. And he loves to bind up our broken hearts. He died to do that. He died to restore us, to cleanse us from our sins and from the wounds caused by our sins, the sins of others, the world. That's what he died for. You know, when I was a kid, my dad had a workshop in the garage. And for a couple of years, he took this old pump organ. You know, like grandma used to play the pump organ. It's got two things, two bellows at the feet that you work. And he took that thing apart, piece by piece by piece by piece. And he sanded it all down, and he... Uh, totally took off the old finish, and then he put on new finish and just put it all back together. And he just took a couple of years to do that. That was his big distressor. 
And he loved to do that. He loved to take this old broken thing that didn't work and restore it into something that was beautiful, something fit for its purpose. And I think that's a picture of Jesus. Jesus loves to restore us. It's not that he looks at our brokenness, at our wounds and goes, ugh. No, he says, I can do something about that. I can take this broken thing and I can make it new. He loves that. He loves that. It's a wonderful thing. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship. Think about that a little bit. We are his workmanship. I don't want to say we're his project because that has negative connotations. We are his workmanship. Other translations say we are his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, I want to just say that Jesus isn't a chiropractor. When I lived in uh, St. John, New Brunswick, I had some back issues, and I went to the chiropractor. And we had a few sessions. I was on his table. He did his stuff. And it seemed to improve, at least for a while. And I have to admit, I haven't really caught up with him recently. Um, there haven't been any Christmas cards, um, no phone calls. It's just kind of a, a finished thing. Jesus is not our chiropractor, okay? We don't go to Jesus um, because we have this issue, and Jesus is going to fix our issue, and then that's all. We're done with Jesus. That's not how it works. Our healing with Jesus comes in the context of a relationship with Jesus, where he becomes the center of our lives, and he enters into our lives. So Jesus is not our chiropractor. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Let's Actually, stop on that. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That's a long-term thing. We're taking something from Jesus, his yoke, we're putting it on ourselves, and now we're, we're going to learn from him. We're in a committed relationship now with Jesus, where Jesus is the master and we are the apprentice. This is another picture of discipleship. And our life with Jesus is walking with Jesus and learning from Jesus. Jesus is going to teach us about life. Jesus is going to be our teacher. No one else is going to be our teacher. Jesus is going to be our teacher. And he's going to teach us about many things. Now, what is this yoke? Well, a yoke is a way of carrying a heavy burden. I think we had a picture of a guy carrying two buckets of water balanced on a stick. That's a, that's a vision of a yoke. Another kind of a yoke is when you yoke two animals together, two oxen, and they pull a plow. It also goes over their neck. It's another way of bearing a burden. But a yoke was a Jewish expression that basically meant obedience to the law. Um, it was a heavy yoke, especially the way that the Pharisees practiced their religion. Jesus said their, ho- their yoke is heavy because they burden you with hundreds and hundreds of commandments And they don't help you even a little bit, and you are crushed by it. But Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. 
And the reason Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light because it means entering into this relationship that I've been speaking of, this master-apprentice relationship where he is our guide and our teacher through life. And he comes with us, he walks with us, he helps us, and we learn from him what it is to live as a child of God, just like his disciples did 2,000 years ago, every day with Jesus. That's the Christian life. So Jesus isn't our chiropractor. We don't just go to Jesus to get fixed over whatever our presenting issue is, and then we don't really see him again. No, he walks with us. It's in relationship with Jesus that we find healing and that we find rest. So we find this healing through a a trusting, lifelong dependence on Jesus. And I I just want to underline here that it is in the presence of Jesus that we find healing. It's only in Jesus That's the only place where we're going to find it. We might find helpful things in other places, but fundamentally, the healing that we receive is going to come through Jesus Christ. And sometimes that healing happens fast, and sometimes it happens slow. It's about, it'll be about 20 years ago in, I want to say March. In March, it'll be about 20 years ago that I was in a motel room in Kamloops, BC, and Jesus Christ met with me. I prayed to him in a powerful way. I was desperate. I didn't know what to do. I was helpless. I recognized that I was helpless. That's about all I really recognized, and that's all I really said to him. But he met me there. I can remember that night. And after that, he fed me. You know, he, he gave me what I didn't even know I needed. He gave me... Um, a great weekend after that with a brother and sister in Christ who just listened to me and loved me and valued me. And, you know, I came to enjoy a love and acceptance that I hadn't felt for a long time. And then over time, over a period of days and weeks, I just felt opened up to tell my story to different people. And God released me through that. He just gave me just a wonderful joy and a peace through that. And that was really the beginning of kind of a a long healing journey for me that I'm still on to this day. And my reflection on that is that, you know, there are these times when God meets with us in in, in a significant way. It is a powerful way, but, you know, like on that motel room in Kamloops, there wasn't like thunder and lightning and I didn't fall over and anything like that. But it was significant. God met with me. Um, but at other times in my life, it's really been just a very, as I walk with Jesus, just this gentle, easy thing. Um, it's happened more than once over the years that I've looked back and thought, wow, either that doesn't bother me anymore, or wow, I have a new desire for this. I have a new joy in this. You know, God's just kind of done something. There's been no significant night or prayer time or whatever, but God just kind of worked in me. Or people have said to me, hey, wow, you are just like a different person now. Uh, You are so much more joyful. You're so much more kind. And I was like, I wasn't kind. I wasn't joyful. You know, and I'm like, oh, okay. Um, But that's really been a reality, both those things. God heals fast and God heals slow. And, you know, it just happens in a normal course of life in Christ. I, I, I can think of a, a particular uh, small group that I was a part of that was really life-giving for me, uh, a deeply group, uh, weekly group that challenged me and encouraged me. I can think of the first church I began to belong to and to serve in. Um, 
I was able to share my story more widely. I can think of uh, jobs that I've had that I found just super stretching and challenging, where I was literally praying every day before work for God to help me. And you know, it's through these things, as we rely on God and as we walk with Him, that God really does amazing works in our lives. And uh, I just want to encourage you that just that that's happened for me, that can happen to you as well. You know, sometimes the work of God is like a lightning strike, and it like leaves a mark, and you can see it. Uh, and other times, it's just like a stream just running over a jagged rock, slowly turning it into a smooth, pe- a smooth pebble. You wouldn't even notice a change from day to day, but when you look from 10 years, you can really see a difference. But friends, it's always the presence of God that brings healing. Only God can heal the soul. And as we experience Jesus' healing, we have the privilege of joining in the healing of other people, in in what God is doing and what Jesus is doing in other people. Because this isn't all just a one-on-one thing. That's another way that Jesus isn't like a chiropractor. A chiropractor is one-on-one. But uh, when Jesus works, he works sometimes one-on-one, but sometimes through the body, sometimes through all you folks blessing each other and working together. And that's a privilege that we have because the body of Christ together is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells here, friends, and I don't mean this theater, I mean in this people, in all the peoples of the churches of the world. That's where the Holy Spirit dwells and dwells in a very real and direct way. The Holy Spirit is here today. He's here with us. And he is the presence of God amongst us that brings healing. The Holy Spirit is Jesus amongst us. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So we each get the Spirit to bless each other. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, as we saw today, to still another the interpretation of tongues, as we also saw. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ." For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And as the body of Christ, we are called to minister to one another with confidence that the Holy Spirit is going to move amongst us. The power of God is going to be with us. So as we pray for one another, we can expect to have a message of wisdom from the Spirit for the person that we're praying for. We can expect to have a message of knowledge. We can expect a rise of faith, a spiritual gift of faith. We can expect healing power, miraculous power, prophecy, dreams, visions. God really speaks in the prophetic, in those moments of prayer. He really touches hearts. He really does things that way. Um, We're one body with many parts, and each one of us, and I just want to encourage that, each one of us, Every one of you has the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And the Spirit moves as the Spirit moves. It doesn't mean you'll always come with the word of knowledge. You might come with healing. 
you might come with faith. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one of us. And we need to own that. We need to own that. If we're not praying for each other, if we're not blessing each other, if we're not moving in that way, we are in some sense denying each other the manifestation of the Spirit. I don't want to put like a negative pressure on you, but just understand that when you pray for somebody, for instance, that is an opportunity for the Spirit to move. And every time you pray, that is an opportunity for the Spirit. So I just encourage you to take what opportunities you have. So as we pray for somebody, here's some things to keep in mind. First of all, God knows important things that we don't. And he likes to tell us through his Holy Spirit. So as we pray, we need to listen. It's good to listen and then respond to the Spirit's prompting. And it's good not to decide too early what you think the problem is. Is this simply your wisdom and assessment or has the Spirit given that to you? Wait for the Spirit to speak. Sometimes the presenting issue is only a symptom. People come in with a sense of, well, my problem is this and Again, as we listen to the Spirit, we might get a sense of, oh, actually, no, it's, it's actually fear or it's something else. Something related, probably, but remember that only God heals the soul. We can't uh, do anything without the power of God. And all we're doing when we're gathering around people and praying for them is bringing them into the presence of God. Where two or three are gathered together, there I am among you. That's what we're doing. And... You know, it doesn't just stop on a Sunday, or it doesn't just stop on a small group night. We're called to enter into each other's lives. We need to be in it for the long haul with others like Jesus is with us. Henry Nouwen said this. He said, no one can help anyone without becoming involved, without entering with his whole person into the painful situation, without taking the risk of becoming hurt, wounded, or destroyed in the process. Folks, the servant is not greater than his master. We're not greater than Jesus Christ, and we're not going to heal people other than the way that Jesus healed, which is to enter into the situation. That is what Jesus did when he was born. The incarnation is Jesus coming to the source of the problem and entering into it and becoming vulnerable to it. Jesus opened himself wide open to us, and in the same way, that's what we need to do for each other. Paul says in Galatians 6, he says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And sometimes we have stories that we need to tell. Um, You know, listening is important. It's important for us to listen to each other's stories when we're ready to tell them. Um, I have benefited greatly over the years by people who are willing just to listen to my story and just to hear me out and not to comment and not to judge, but just to kind of listen to me and understand me and accept me. And as we listen to people, uh, we're also listening to the Spirit, listening to people and listening to the Spirit. And we get guidance on how we can help people. But I, I just want to underline that it's important for us to really spend time with each other. It's important for us to open our lives to each other and just to take the time. And that is why something like life group is so important. 
uh, because that gives a context. And I'm not, I'm not talking about the meeting. I'm just talking about the relationships that you form in life group. That gives the context for actually taking the time, going out for a coffee, inviting somebody over for dinner, really hearing their story, really getting to know them, hearing from the Spirit for them, and then being able to enter into the healing that Jesus is doing in their life. And as we're being prayed for, because um, I'm hoping we're going to be praying for some people here today as well. As we're praying for people, some things to keep in mind is that uh, it really is a journey. Or as we are prayed for, we need to keep in mind that healing is a journey. You might have a breakthrough. You know, God might do something very powerful for you in a prayer session and hallelujah. But that then needs to be followed up. That then needs to be walked out. We mustn't think that, okay, well, that's done. You need to tell your story, and that's, again, why you need to belong to a community, why you need to belong to a life group. You need to have a place where you can tell your story, where you can be known. And again, we're healed by being in the presence of Jesus. We need to seek him out. That's the key thing. But the promise of God is this. This is what Paul said in Romans 14. He says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. So that's the promise of God. Do you need righteousness and peace and joy? Do you need rest? Well, that's your inheritance as a daughter or a son of God. But we're only going to find it in the presence of God. And that's the invitation of Jesus. The invitation of Jesus is come to me and I will give you rest. I will bring you into my kingdom where you will find righteousness and peace and joy. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to pray for us in a second. I'm going to pray for the Spirit to come and to reveal things. And then we're going to sing. We're going to respond and worship so maybe Ben, now's a good time to come up. And then after that, uh, we're going we're gonna to call people uh, to be prayed for. So that's what's coming. So why don't you stand? Why don't you just uh, pray with me? Holy Spirit, we know it's only in the presence of Jesus Christ that we are healed, that we get rest. Holy Spirit, we know that you are present here. We know that you manifest in each one of us for the good of each other, for the good of the body. Holy Spirit, I pray that right now, right now, you would speak to us. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, for ourselves. Are there places of woundedness in us that need your healing, that need to be brought to Jesus? Holy Spirit, is there a gracious wisdom that you're giving us um, about ourselves or about somebody else? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and set your people free. Release us into rest. Release us into peace. Release us into joy. And release us into righteousness. And in Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen.